Welcome to the Paranormal News Insider for the week of September 27th, 2022, and episode number 529, and this is your host, Dr. Brian D. Parsons, and we are live on the Paranormal King radio network at paranormalking.com, and uh, we are live, and it's cold, got the heat running, uh, fall is here, I'm excited to see uh, all the uh, all those uh, temporary Halloween stores popping up all over the place, and uh, Halloween and and all the stores everywhere. Granted, the they got uh, Christmas everywhere too. Which come on, man, come on, let Halloween have its fun. Uh, you wonder why the sales slack, but you put two holidays or three holidays really all out at the, the same time. You don't see that with uh, Easter. You don't put Easter out before. Um, Valentine's Day, come on, let Halloween have its fun. But it's exciting to see all that stuff out. And I'm not a big fan of pumpkin or anything, but uh, yeah, everyone's drinking pumpkin spice whatever's uh, everywhere. But uh, excited that uh, fall is here uh, only because of Halloween. I don't like fall. I got to rake the leaves and uh, it's wet constantly. It's been raining here in Ohio for four straight days. It seems that it's uh, only going to get worse with the uh, hurricane on its way will more than likely get the remnants uh, coming up the East Coast and probably dump all over us uh, toward uh, probably toward the end of the week, I would assume. But it is what it is. Uh, we just deal with it. At least it's not snowing. That's what that's what our motto is here in Ohio. At least it's not snowing. Unless it's snowing, then we're. I don't know what else we're saying then after that. But uh, anyway. You didn't come here for the weather report. You came here for the paranormal news, and that's what I got for you tonight. We've got some uh, strange stuff all over in every corner. Just a lot of weird stuff. I don't know what people are doing. Uh, I was very excited. We're going to talk about the uh, the actual first time this year that we've had a really good, successful NASA launch of anything. I was very excited to uh, to have been off yesterday and be able to tune in live and watch over an hour's worth of, uh, uh, it, was, it was okay, the, the little show they put on for the uh, DART space probe that slammed into the moon. Well, it was really an asteroid, but it's the moon of an asteroid. It's really an asteroid of an asteroid. Anyway, we'll talk about that here in a little bit. Uh, we got some other stuff to talk about tonight. And we're going to go up to Wisconsin to start off the night. And we've talked about this off and on. It's it's not something I like to talk about because I think it's pretty uh, it's pretty aggravating actually that people continue to do these types of things and it's getting a little scary because it's toward the end of September. Like I said the weather is getting colder. And up in Wisconsin, uh, police have received a pair of sightings of a possible alligator in a pond up in Wisconsin. 
uh, Wisconsin's way up there, way up there. It's really cold. Lots of lakes, uh, a lot of butter, a lot of cows, and apparently an alligator. Uh, the Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources responded a day later. Uh, this happened, I think, over the weekend. And they responded uh, either Sunday or Monday to uh, investigate the sightings as well as uh, some possible tracks that were reported in the uh, the backyard of some adjacent homes to the uh, Regal Family Park Pond. Sounds like a great place to dump an alligator. Uh, the DNR suspects, though, that this could be a black caiman, which is uh, a native of South America. I don't know how they figured that out, maybe from the track marks uh, or of the descriptions but uh, come on they didn't get a picture uh, I don't know how you could narrow that down to a black caiman obviously uh, this was someone's pet that probably grew too large for them to handle as we always say uh, it's not like they're making their way naturally to Wisconsin which would be a true cryptid story uh, if they were doing that that would be uh, unheard of uh, if they were able to survive in the cold water. I think that water is always cold up in Wisconsin. It's probably even in the summertime. It's probably 33 degrees. It's got to be cold up there. No, I'm kidding. It's uh, it's getting colder up there, though. And, you know, we I joke, but it's this is a serious thing. It's potentially dangerous to uh, those who may accidentally come into contact with it. it no word on how big it is, how long. Uh, generally, when they hit about two to three feet long, and that's when people realize, uh, I can't take care of this thing anymore. i got to dump it off. And instead of calling somebody, instead of taking it somewhere, they uh, find the nearest body of water and they just launch it, uh, which is very, very sad. Um, but uh, again, this could become dangerous. If, you know, if it's uh, approaching three feet, even though it was uh, – you can't domesticate an alligator. Uh, even, but even though it was in human contact – uh, may allow somebody to get too close to it, and it could bite uh, or could scare somebody and cause an accident, I suppose. Uh, but uh, the biggest thing here is, especially this time of the year, again, it's getting colder. So this is pretty much a death sentence to this poor creature uh, as they cannot survive in cold water for very long. Uh, they can slow their metabolism down. They can slow their bodies down. But eventually – uh, they will succumb to the cold, especially a smaller alligator or black caiman for that matter. Uh, so far in the week since the alligator was purportedly spotted, it's not been seen since. I've not seen any update on that story. And, you know, reading some of the Facebook posts from the uh, the police, the local police to the uh, to the area, it sounds like a couple of people are saying that there's a couple of really big snapping turtles that maybe – Somebody saw and mistook the head for an alligator. Suppose that's possible. Suppose that's possible. Uh, but uh, hopefully it is just a case of mistaken identity, which does happen, by the way, and not just with uh, people seeing what they think is a mountain lion turns out to be a house cat. That's a pretty big difference. You know, a five-pound house cat, 140-pound mountain lion. One that's, uh, you know, eight inches or 12 inches long versus one that's uh, over six feet long from nose to tail. Uh, but that happens. And I suppose it could happen in the water as well with somebody seeing uh, 
what they think is an alligator turn out to be a snapping turtle. But generally, when you're, uh, especially a smaller alligator, if they're moving around, you're going to see pretty much head head to tail, the small guys. So I, I don't know. I didn't read the description. They didn't really release the actual descriptions. They just said that two people reported it. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully it didn't die. But uh, you never know. Don't do that. Just call somebody. A lot of states here in the United States have, um, I don't know what you call it, uh, but basically a law that's uh, in effect that if you surrender these animals, that they won't press charges against you. Uh, you're better off doing that than killing that poor thing. I mean, you bought it, you raised it, and now you just you're basically just killing it at that point when you're turning it loose. Uh, in areas where they're not naturally known to exist, especially in the Northeast or the uh, the Midwest. Yeah, don't do that. Get with somebody. Call somebody. Uh, you know, put it in a uh, bread basket and put it by the fire station if you have to. I, don't they take the babies? Fire station? You, you got a baby you don't want, you take it to the fire station. I don't know. Maybe that's what you do. The alligator as well. Take it to the fire station. Great. Now I'm going to get in trouble for that because... Fire stations all over the Northeast will now have alligators out front. But that would be pretty cool. Uh, anyway, something more exciting happening up in the United Kingdom, up in Scotland. And I think you know where I'm headed with that one. Uh, so back in late August, I reported on the addition of a few webcams around the Loch Ness region, hoping to spur up some new sightings. And of course... It's also there to endorse nearby hotels and lodges that overlook the lake. Come on. You know, they see a good opportunity. They take it. That's pretty much what the whole Loch Ness Monster thing is about anyway, getting uh, tourism into the region. And it didn't take too long for someone to capture something on these new cameras. And, of course, uh, anything, pretty much anything, is better than the original camera they have up on the hill uh, smeared in petroleum jelly uh, inside of a potato under a rock that uh, we've been seeing for the last few years. Uh, and it comes down to our old friend, Ian O'Fadigan, who has probably uh, has got more reports of the Loch Ness Monster than anybody else in history. Uh, I think he uh, actually had uh, almost half of the webcam sightings for last year because was it 2021 is the the either 2020 or 2021 they uh separated the webcam sightings from the uh live in-person sightings i guess that's one way to put it uh so they're not all cobbled together because uh website webcam sightings i, I don't think should count for uh, official sightings of the Loch Ness monster and that's pretty much what they've done with this, uh, but uh, you know, Fadigan, a huge fan, he's been uh, at all these, he's like 65 or 67, but he's made numerous trips. He saw the Loch Ness Monster a long time ago, and his every, every, every wave, uh, every dark shape in the water is the Loch Ness Monster, according to him. And uh, he, he has some of the uh, more colorful descriptions of this creature, uh, purportedly in the water, so. Uh, he had not one, but two sightings in the last couple of weeks uh, via the webcams. 
And of his uh, first sighting, he stated, quote, uh, the first at the Klansman web webcam locked us was at uh, uh, the, uh, was that eight? No, 10, 10, 13 p.m. on September 6th is of a, it can't be that late. What time did you see that at 10 p.m.? Maybe that's wrong. I don't know. Um, September 6th is of a water disturbance and a long, dark shape, which was recorded for four minutes and was only darkened to water visible in the recording of the lock in that time, unquote. That's what I get for copying off of a website. Um, there's no way I was that late. That'd be 8, yeah, I'm sorry, 8.13 p.m. So, uh, a little bit of light, maybe. I don't know, in the hills? Surrounding the lock? Yeah, it was 8 o'clock, sorry, 2013. Um, let's see, the second was recorded on the Shoreland Lodges webcam at 7.35 p.m. on September 15th. Uh, of that setting, he said the object was, quote, black and long in the region of 6 to 8 feet long like an eel, or rather a very large or giant one. Its dark black color breaks the surface occasionally as it moves to the right, unquote. Now, that sounds exciting. I mean, that sounds like you've definitely seen something, and it's uh, definitely come out of the water. And if you can measure it, I don't know how you can measure it when you're not even sure how far away the water is from the camera. I don't know how you can guesstimate footage when you have nothing to measure it against. Uh, but that's, that's Ian O'Fagan. That's what he does. Uh, but of course, looking at those sightings, uh, the pictures, there's a video uh, of these as well. Uh, to the rest of us, the sightings both pretty much look like uh, wind slowly blowing across the surface of the lake uh, that is uh, rolling down through the valley. And it, nothing I saw broke the surface. And the discoloration is caused by uh, the wind moving across the surface of the water. So it blows the water and creates uh, angles so it looks you know, a different color. It's not really anything under the water. I never saw anything break the surface. I don't know where he's getting that from. Um, it seems like he's really reaching for these uh, these sightings. And I don't know anybody that was really convinced except for, of course, you know, the telegram, um, yeah, all the UK rag magazines, online magazines were just really pushing the story hardcore through the both sightings. And I, I didn't see anything. I don't know what they're seeing or why they're behind this so much. Um, Maybe they're running out of queen stories. I don't know. Uh, but uh, I didn't see anything there. And, of course, again, to the rest of us, it looks just like wind. I uh, could see multiple disturbances in both videos all over the lake of wind. And I watched the cameras uh, uh, yesterday and a couple of days ago. I watched them in the evening. Uh, well, the evening, their time, which is a little earlier here. And I saw the same stuff. But I, I don't think it was the Loch Ness Monster. It just looked to me like the wind blowing across the lock or the uh, lake. Uh, of course, in that time of the evening, 
when I'm sure, you know, the temperature is changing, the sun is setting. You still got sun on the top of the hills and the valley is uh, cooling. So, of course, you're going to have air movement. Yeah, it's easy to see something when you're far away from it. Uh, even Gary Campbell, who is the host of the uh, official Loch Ness Monster Sightings Register website, has uh, not put these sightings up as official webcam sightings uh, on his site. And I don't think he's going to. And I'm pretty sure Ian O'Fadigan is not happy with Gary Campbell at this point because he's had multiple ones that were nixed. Uh, from being on the site, the one uh, webcam sighting, I think it was this year. It's the first one this year he thought he saw, but it ended up being paddleboarders, stand-up paddleboarders. And he said, absolutely not. It was a Loch Ness Monster five feet out of the water. Uh, no. No, it was not. Uh, but uh, he'll swear he sees him all over the lock, all over the lake. And, you know, now we've given him more. Uh, power to see that, but I'm surprised nobody else. You know, if if in fact that was something legit, I'd like to see more than one person step forward. But uh, I don't think that was uh, it. You know, why are we not seeing stuff coming up out of the water? You know, why are we why are we just looking at disturbances on the surface? I mean, really, that's really. Have you ever been to a body of water before? Oh, boy. Well, I don't know. One day. One day I hope to go kayaking on Loch Ness. And uh, I'll find it. I'll find it. Yeah, I don't think it was. It's funny how uh, Ian O'Fadigan, if you read some of his older sightings, he's followed along with whatever the popular definition of what this thing could possibly be, you know, from a, a plesiosaur a few years ago. Now he's talking about eel-like creatures. Uh, I just think he's... Um, I just think he's lost it. I just think he just sees it in, in everything. Now, it's following the popular definitions of this uh, creature. So that's kind of disturbing. But uh, we got some UFO news that's uh, equally, if not more disturbing, in more ways than one. Uh, first up, we're going to, well, we're going to go to the east coast of the United States via Florida and reports flooded in from all over the country last Saturday night of what many thought was a UFO. Of course, anything in the sky that you can't identify technically is a UFO. It's unidentified. It's flying and it's uh, probably an object by definition. But of course we know, come on, anytime anybody uses the term UFO, it's probably something of intelligence flying through our sky that's not ours. And by not ours, I don't mean it's uh, China or Japan or Russia or Canada or Mexico, or whatever. Did Mexico even have an army, uh, Air Force? I don't know. Um, but the UFO in question, a lot of other people on social media, because that's where I get my news, social media, uh, also thought it was a comet, which uh, it did look like a comet, if you see the pictures of this thing. Um, all along the East Coast, the United States, uh, reports came in from, uh, I saw as far south as, I think, uh, the Carolinas, people were uh, seeing it. Uh, Virginia had a ton of people calling in, uh, New York, New Jersey, and uh, all of the, pretty much all of the New England area 
uh, states anywhere near the coast, uh, anywhere that had clear skies, I should say, as well along the east coast, also reported this strange-looking plume of smoke in the sky. Hundreds of pictures were all over social media. And, uh, yeah, people actually thought this was the end of the world, that uh, a giant meteor was coming crashing down on us, and we're all going to die, and we're going to the way of the dinosaurs. And uh, hopefully people weren't giving away all their money or stealing cars or whatever you would do if a meteor was coming. I don't never really thought of that. What would happen if uh, we knew a meteor was coming? What would I do? I don't know. Well, whatever you do, you better make sure that um, the meteor actually hits. If you quit your job, that's it. You know, you, you better hope that the world ends or you, you got your resume ready. So many thought, again, UFO, a comet, uh, meteor, you know, all your standard stuff that you think of when people see these uh, strange plumes of smoke in the sky. But uh, it's pretty quick this time for uh, news outlets to identify this. Of course, social media, uh, you could tell people all day what it is. They don't care. They're just going to continue to spread misinformation and continue to try to get likes and continue to have people retweet or heart or care or like or whatever, whatever you're on um, platform. Uh, but it wasn't misidentified or unidentified or whatever it was. Uh, it was just another rocket. And of course, we know that the uh, wasn't the Artemis 1, that's for sure. Uh, it was another Falcon 9 rocket launched by SpaceX. That took place at Cape Canaveral, Florida on Saturday night at 7.32 p.m. Uh, the rocket was topped off with uh, just what we needed. Just what we needed. 52 more Starlink satellites. Wow, just what, we, just what the world needs. Just what near Earth needs. Uh, just what I need on nights I'm trying to use my telescope. See those stupid things going... In front of my field of view. Wish I could shoot him down. Uh, worse news about the uh, Starlink satellites that are cluttering up our atmosphere. Uh, worse news is that starting next year, SpaceX will be launching new satellites called Starlink version 2 that will be much bigger than the current ones. Uh, that's just what we need. Um, like the the ones I have now are like suitcase size, but uh, these other ones are going to be I don't know smart car size or the uh, yeah smart cars size. They're going to be pretty big. And that's not what we need. Um, however, it's kind of good. Kind of it's always kind of good, kind of bad. But we don't need them. Uh, but they are going to be able to beam connectivity directly to smartphones and will benefit T-Mobile customers. In a new plan called uh, Coverage Above and Beyond. Of course, if that all goes well, we're sure we'll see that all over TV. Uh, I can see the uh, Super Bowl ads right now. Wait, am I allowed to say Super Bowl? Big game ads? I don't get censored. Um, so, yeah, I'm sure we'll see that. T-Mobile uh, and uh, SpaceX teaming up, or Starlink teaming up to bring you 
coverage above and beyond. Yeah, we'll, we'll see the see the commercials if it's uh, if it's good. And you may wonder, uh, I do have a couple of pictures. I suppose I could share those in the chat. Hopefully it works. Uh, you may wonder what these people saw. Well, the timing couldn't have been better uh, because uh, that time of night, 7.30 p.m., uh, the sun's going down. It's starting to get a little dark. I'll say a little dark, but uh, it's dark outside, and this rocket is launching. Uh, it only takes about 15 minutes, really, from when it launched until it hits uh, space. So this all went by pretty fast. Uh, but the plume of smoke is is very, very big. I've seen a lot of pictures over the years. I've never seen one myself. Uh, but uh, the closer you are to this rocket launch, but what happened in the later uh, people all over Florida will have lost their minds because it would have been huge in the sky. It's already huge. You can see a couple pictures I posted. One uh, is from somebody's yard. You can see the gutter. It's a pretty big object in the sky. And again, this is up north. So this is uh, very far away, hundreds of miles away from the launch site. And uh, this object is very, very high in the sky. And all you're really seeing is this white smoke. And the object just moving into space. You can't tell what it is. And the bottom picture I just posted is taken from inside a vehicle. You see the reflection of the uh, instrument panel, the heat, and everything on uh, by this uh, Tracy Barone. She looks like she's in her car. Well, she's in her car. And there's a football field. You can see this giant light in the sky. And I, I guess, you know, I've heard descriptions of people thinking that the sky was breaking or uh, somebody was shining a giant flashlight down from space. And, then, you know, I can see how people would be a little bit scared because it's it's giant. A giant thing in the sky and it's moving. You can see it move. Uh, the plume, um, you know, that exhaust being pushed out behind it and the chemicals involved in that, of course, uh, you know, we were talking about the Artemis One rocket being super cooled. It's like 500 degrees, negative 500 degrees Fahrenheit. But when those rockets uh, get hot, they get hot. And that's the temperature difference that you're seeing up there in the sky, creating all that plume of smoke, um, plus the exhaust. So it's all hitting the atmosphere. And of course, with that sun setting, it's hitting the sun, so it lights it up pretty good, even though it looks a little darker there on the surface uh, where we're at. But this is uh, up there pretty high, so of course everything is reflecting the sunlight. Now, if that would have happened at night, you probably wouldn't see much. You might see the little dot from the, um, the flames coming out of the back of that thing, but you probably wouldn't see too much smoke. Um, but when they do these things early in the morning or in the evening like that, they, of course they always show, show up. And uh, it always makes it uh, a lot more visible. And, of course, you know, they, you, you got to read. If you read the news, you know these things are going to happen. But uh, they don't always tell you where they're going to go. Like uh, uh, sometimes it'll launch uh, from Florida and it'll go south or it'll go east. It'll go west. Well, it usually doesn't go east. usually goes uh well, it usually goes east, and I should say doesn't go west because the rotation of the Earth and everything else. But rockets don't go straight up. 
they kind of go along the Earth's curve in order for it to, to be able to break free of the gravitational pull. Got to go pretty fast to uh, break free. Uh, but again, yeah, it's got to be pretty large plume of smoke. And I can see why people get freaked out about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, you kind of do a little research. A uh, little bit of research goes a long, long way. But again, you know, I, I've i never seen one. So I can't speak to it. I've seen a lot of strange things in the sky. I've seen a lot of cool things. Uh, but I've never seen a rocket launch uh, exhaust from, uh, you know, a rocket that's obtaining, uh, you know, low Earth orbit ejection, you know, in the morning or in the evening like that. That's just got to be pretty cool. I've seen rockets from really far away uh, during the day, but never never anything like that. These giant rockets they have nowadays, uh, they're pretty big, pretty scary, pretty powerful. And it seems like they're launching all the time anymore. Uh, but yeah, Starlink, I, I don't think we need any more of those things. We got enough of them floating around. And uh, in case you wonder, SpaceX now has launched more than 3,340 satellites into low Earth orbit. Uh, however, out of that number, 3,340, only 2,499 are operational. Of course, I don't know if that takes into consideration the 52 that just launched. I don't know if they're all operational or not, but uh, they're not letting up. They're going to continue to launch these things. They're going to continue to cloud up the skies. And uh, these things kind of have a mind of their own. Like they move around other objects, other satellites pretty much at will. So other people can't really track these. Uh, these giant clusters of these uh, satellites up there is just to stop, just stop launching this stuff. Granted, um, you know, there's a, a couple of other countries or co I should say companies that are looking to launch these uh, constellations of satellites as well. So can't complain about just one. If there's going to be three or four companies launching, you know, the upwards of 20 or 30,000 of these uh, small satellites up into space. And then I, I don't know how many. They're going to be launching of these larger Starlink version 2 satellites starting next year. But boy, oh boy, well, it's probably the last thing in the world that we need floating around in the sky. Uh, speaking of floating around in the sky, um, probably one of the, I'll say, I'd say the, we've had some, I guess we've had some pretty, outlandish ufo stories this year but this one is this one's really out there and uh it's probably nothing but of course you know people take probably nothing and blow it up into probably the biggest story of the year uh, but i don't think this is i just think it's uh, kind of an oopsie moment essentially uh, but one of the more bizarre ufo stories we've had this year took place over the weekend and it, of course, had to do with the U.S. government, uh, but also national intelligence. And you might have seen this story. It kind of uh, slowly trickled around the Internet uh, over the weekend. Then it kind of exploded on Monday. And uh, it's continuing to uh, 
gain traction today. And the story centers on an official seal used on the website for the official government website used for the National Intelligence Manager for Aviation. And that's an official website. So it's at airdomainintelligence.mil. So it's a military website. Um, now, the uh, official seal, which if you go there right now to uh, – don't go there now, but you know, maybe, I don't know, open another tab. Uh, airdomainintelligence.mil. If you went there right now, the official seal has the wording of uh, National Aviation Intelligence Integration Office, which is uh, NAI2O, because that sounds cool. Uh, also has the United States of America with a bald eagle over a shield. Looks like Captain America's first shield there, uh, with an airplane flying in front of it, uh, along with a banner that reads "Collaboration." Uh, as well as unity of effort. Uh, it's a pretty simple looking uh, seal. Uh, it looks all official like. And you can see it. Um, I could see that on, you know, carpet or letterhead or something. Uh, it looks all official like. Uh, but sometime over the weekend, uh, Twitter user Richard uh, Betchlick. Uh, tweeted out a photo of an official seal on the actual website of airdomainintelligence.mil uh, that looked a little bit odd and was on the page uh, at the top as well as uh, there toward the bottom with uh, a link to the to the actual well, I guess it was the page that you're on. Uh, this new seal said Office of the Director of National Intelligence, NIM Aviation. And in the center of the seal is a faded white image of uh, kind of part of North America. Uh, I guess the kind of like Southwest North America with part of Central America and the top part of South America in that kind of really faded picture. Uh, but the big topic was the fact that there was a UFO at the bottom of the image, uh, clearly a UFO pictured in the image. And of course, uh, people lost their minds, as they do, and uh, quickly went viral, of course, as it does. And uh, people were questioning this, thinking, wow, uh, this is acknowledgement, this is uh, whatever. And uh, that's ginormous. But that's I stole that right off of the actual website. So that's huge. I didn't mean to make it that big, but uh, that gives you pretty good detail what we're going to talk about. We'll talk about those. There's the UFO. Scroll to the bottom there. And uh, all these images were actually just lifted off the Internet. They're really not that hard to find. Uh, so it makes me wonder, you know, who did this and did it really have to be this big of a deal? Uh, but people are making a pretty big deal about this. Uh, of course, um, this uh, Richard uh, Bejlik tweeted this out. Uh, he didn't really get much credit. Uh, but uh, UFO researcher Jeremy Corbell pretty much got all the headlines uh, because he spread it. He tweeted it out. 
pointing out the fact that there's a, a UFO in the picture. And of course, he's fairly well known in the uh, UFO world for some of the work he's done. Uh, of course, then once he started spreading it around, everyone else jumped on that bandwagon and uh, the rest is history. And it's all over the place. There's uh, news agencies all over the world that are writing stories about this, even as we speak. There's a few more that just popped in my news feed. Um, it's all over the internet. With the, uh, Of course, the UFO is the big focus here, but um, I, my eyes were directed toward the uh, red arrow like that's not it's not one of our planes and uh, a couple of non-ufo websites were also quick to point that out and focus on that like what is that um so yeah the ufo to me just seems silly it's really out of place like it just doesn't fit on that uh, seal at all uh, but uh, other aircraft on that seal, to me, are a little bit concerning. Why would we put these specific aircraft on an official U.S. seal about aviation? Um, so the uh, the first one that's on the left, it's like a dark gray uh, arrow, and the, there's a uh, image, uh, just a gray image of an outline of a uh, of an aircraft. Now, it's either a U.S. Army RQ-7 Shadow or a Baykar, uh, Baykatar TB-2, or I'm sorry, Bayrektar TB-2, uh, which is a Turkish medium-altitude, long-endurance, unmanned combat aerial vehicle. Uh, the Army RQ-7 Shadow is... Uh, uh, I think U.S. based, but it's also used by the Turkish Air Force and a lot of other countries around the world. And it's also a uh, an unmanned combat aerial vehicle, uh, fancy word for drone. And it's uh, there on the left, flying in front of that dark gray arrow. It's got that weird, uh, weird tail, the two two lines and the. Uh, tail connecting it. So it's, you'd probably recognize it if you saw it. It's just a, a giant drone. It's used for reconnaissance, uh, spying, uh, looking at damage. Uh, they usually will fly them over uh, once an area is bombed or uh, even after a hurricane. They'll probably fly some of these over to the United States looking at damage. Um, but the uh, the blue one there, is, so it's in the middle of the... It's, the line is like really crazy. Uh, flies way past the other aircraft, and the aircraft itself, the little blue aircraft with the black tip, is uh, almost on the edge of the inside of the seal. Now, what is that? Now, some pointed toward a dark star or even an aurora. The Aurora Project uh, is depicted flying out in front of everything in that light blue color. So why would we put, uh, you know, I don't say top secret, but uh, projects that really are not even launched for the most part up there? Um, that's not disturbing. What's really disturbing is the uh, aircraft there in the red. Now, that is really disturbing. Um, this depicts a Russian aircraft. 
That's not a U.S. aircraft. And the fact that it's in red, uh, obviously, you have red and Russian kind of go hand in hand. Um, it's a uh, Sukhoi Su-57 Felon, based on the shape. Uh, Russian fighter. Uh, that's disturbing. Why would we have a Russian aircraft on a U.S. SEAL? Uh, that shouldn't happen. That shouldn't happen. The um, the last one there is is a. Let's see what is it? A, a light gray shape. It's it's more of a conventional looking aircraft. That's caused a lot of controversy. A lot of people are saying that it's another Russian aircraft. Uh, I forget what it was called, like a, the Bear or whatever, a bomb, some kind of bomber. Uh, but no, when you match up the outline of the aircraft, I've, I've read uh, a couple of aviation websites have been talking about this as well, not just the UFO people, uh, but this is making its rounds on uh, aviation sites. Uh, the, uh, the outline closely resembles... Uh, due to these swept wings and the uh, engine pattern, and the, as well as the wing, the the rear wing, uh, it's that of a KC-135 Stratotanker, which is a U.S.-based aircraft. So, kind of a weird mixture of aircraft to have on a steel. And you know, there's a lot of work I've seen that I've been reading about uh, about the website itself and about the seal, and uh, nobody seems to know who wrote the website or what is going on behind the scenes of this website. But uh, the website is fairly new, and it seems like it uh, might be being done in-house. It's, it's not done yet. And again, if you were to go there now to the, uh, to the actual website, um, airdomainintelligence.mil, it's totally different now. It's got the old, or I should say the updated um, official seal but i went back uh, you go to uh the archive what you do is look up website archive and you go to um the wayback machine that's what they call it and it captures images uh, the image i'm looking at was from september 25th they captured images uh, a few times during the day so it looks like somebody was playing around with this website uh, over the weekend which would tell me it's probably not a government-sanctioned website. It's probably somebody on their day off from the office that was just playing around with this website, just decided to, to put this seal on there just to see what it would look like uh, sometime on September 25th. And then, uh, of course, right after that, it was taken off. And the uh, the old, or I should say the current image, is now on that website. So... Um, Yeah, you're not fooling anybody, but, you know, there's still a lot of controversy with this. People wondering uh, why. Why why would they do this? Uh, again, the big focus is on that UFO on the logo. But, uh, you know, I wonder why are we putting Russian aircraft? And that's going to make somebody uh, uneasy, not just from here, but maybe in Russia, uh, that we're doing that. Uh, what's the point of it? And... You know, even if it was a mistake or it was just a joke, it seems like somebody went through a lot of effort. I mean, that's just not a 
I, I don't know if there's software to make seal, like an official seal. Um, but that looks pretty good. It looks uh, pretty intensive that they spent a lot of time doing it. Um, it's not just something they just threw together in five seconds. Uh, it took a little bit of time to accomplish that. There's only a few mistakes that I can see on it. But uh, for the most part, it looks pretty darn good. And uh, it makes you wonder, what was the point of that to create that in the first place? And um, some people are, are wondering, is this actually an official seal? Are we going to see this uh, in the future? Uh, I highly doubt it. Again, because of the uh, the foreign nature and the fact that uh, it has a mixture of aircraft that really don't make any sense at all. But um, well, I'll just stick with the original one. Well, that gets much better anyway. But uh, the controversy lives on about this website. There's no official answer. It seems like, though, that uh, it took a few days for... Uh, anybody to really answer any questions about this? And they still really haven't directly answered what was going on behind this. Um, but it seems like um, they're not happy. The government's not happy uh, that this got out or that somebody did this and they got caught. Now, whether it was a joke or not, you know, there's ways of doing websites. Uh, I I update websites all the time and and. There's ways to do it so it's not publicly available unless you know the actual URL. You got to be careful not to uh, put it on your main site if you're going to do something crazy like that. So, who knows what the uh, who did it or what the thought process was behind putting up something like that? But um, could be damaging for the U.S. government or uh, this office or whoever's playing around with their website. Now, was it a hack? I highly doubt it. Uh, that would be an elaborate hack. Uh, but who knows? Stranger things have happened. Not stranger things on Netflix, but stranger things in general have happened. And uh, I don't know. I, I think uh, we may be hearing more about this in the days and weeks to come because uh, it's kind of an unsolved mystery. And maybe the uh, the layers of this strange thing will be peeled back slowly uh one one peel at a time and speaking of peeling i don't know it just sounded like a good segue i have no idea what i would tie this to but uh nasa hasn't exactly been peeling off uh too many successful space launches as of late uh the artemis one launch that uh, was supposed to take us back to the moon of course, now that is, uh, well, it should be there by now. It takes 11 hours. They took it off the pad. They drove it back into its uh, the little the little hut there so it doesn't get damaged by the hurricane, which, uh, call me crazy, but this is a rocket that travels a few thousand miles an hour through the atmosphere, through high temperature changes, uh, out into space. I don't know. It can't survive 100 mile an hour wind. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I guess it's probably better. I don't want to see that thing falling over. That would be pretty depressing. But uh, yeah, they've rolled the Artemis one and the uh, the little. Uh, well, it's not really a lunar lander yet, but the whole deal back 
the that mission scrubbed for the next few weeks, probably three weeks they're talking, uh, due to Hurricane Ian, which sounds like it's uh, hitting outside my window right now. But, uh, yeah, probably three weeks. So looking at probably after mid-October toward late October for the next launch window by the time. I don't know what they're waiting for. They say it's ready to go. I think there's something more going on uh, that we don't know about. But uh, horrible that this this happened. I was so excited about this to see um, this thing launch and go around the moon and come back. And uh, just really never seen this in my lifetime. So it'd be kind of cool to see this kind of thing happen. But we're going to have to wait and wait. And, of course, that's just one. It's the Artemis 1, the Artemis 2. Uh, as I talked about before, is a, a manned mission where it's going to go out around the moon and they'll just come back. I guess around the Earth and then around the moon and then out around and figure eight and splash in the ocean. Uh, but the third one, Artemis III, uh, they will land on the moon. Now, that will be very, very exciting. Of course, we're talking at least three years for that to happen, but at, at this rate, it could be longer. Uh, due to all these um, pushbacks and cancellations. And, of course, you know, I was looking at uh, Mars missions and how many were unsuccessful. Um, I mean, Mars missions as, as far as uh, sending probes and uh, satellites, uh, of course, also rovers and other objects uh, to the planet. Russia, like, literally had, I think, 10 10 out of 11 first missions failed. Uh, the U.S. had uh, also failure. So that this isn't something uh, that's new, and I think that they're doing uh, much better. I don't think this thing will blow up on the launch pad. Oh, gosh, hopefully not, but uh, especially not with uh, astronauts on board. But it's it's all the telemetry and all these other things. Uh, You've got to be careful when you're putting an explosion uh, a controlled explosion on a launch pad. You want to make sure you get it right. And something that's going to travel that far away, you kind of make sure it gets it goes right. But uh, one successful thing happened yesterday. I was so excited for this. Uh, watched it live. Very excited about this. Uh, some positive news. The double asteroid redirection test, also known as DART, because everything cool comes from an acronym, as all you ghost teams know with your matching black shirts. Uh, it had a successful impact with its target. Of course, uh, we don't know if the whole thing was successful. We just know it successfully hit the target. Whether or not it moved it, uh, we still don't exactly know. Uh, that target was orbiting the asteroid. I guess you'd call it a moon, uh, Didymos. Yeah, the moon is named Dimorphos. It's the smallest celestial object with a permanent name, Uh Basically, because we already knew we were going to, when they named it, they already knew we were going to hit it uh, with a space probe to try to move it out of its uh, orbit. Uh, astron astronomers know that uh, Dimorphos orbits Didymos uh, once every 11 hours and 55 seconds, and that the distance between the centers of these asteroids is about 0.73 miles, just less than three quarters of a mile, which is crazy when you think about it. Uh, just think about that. These things are less than three-quarters of a mile apart. And we launch something from space 
that traveled 6.7 million miles, and we hit this little rock. Uh, that's pretty impressive for uh, our technological feat. Although, uh, I guess destroying things or impacting things with uh, other objects, is, is just, that's our specialty here in the United States. So we did it right. We did what we're good at. Uh, the impact test will now begin. Uh, there's a lot of telescopes will be pointing toward the double asteroid to see if the impact was affected, uh, has it affected um, Dimorphos at all, if it's moved it from its uh, current pathway. So is it longer or shorter? I think the goal was to make it longer and a little further away. Uh, but we'll see what happened. If, uh, in fact, say it's going to take about two months for all this uh, data to be sorted out and to observe this long term. Because, uh, again, that close, three quarters of a mile, you know, a small rock orbiting a s slightly larger rock that are separated by three quarters of a mile that's uh, about seven million miles away. That's pretty hard to measure. And they're going to be taking a lot of measurements with some deep space telescopes to uh, really get a good grasp of this. So the DART spacecraft is about the size of a golf cart. Um, I guess you could say the weight of probably two golf carts, but the size of one golf cart with uh, long uh, rectangular solar panels, giving it pretty much the width of a bus. So imagine uh, the size of a golf cart with a wingspan of a bus weighing two golf carts traveling about 14,000 miles an hour, which is about four miles per second. So every second you're traveling four, man, I get to work pretty fast. But you're 14,000 miles, four miles per second. Yeah, it would take me, yeah, wow, that'd be pretty quick. Uh, Dimorphos uh, basically has the length of about uh, the height of the Washington Monument, at least it did. Uh, the goal of the impact of the 1,340-pound spacecraft was not to destroy the asteroid, but, man, what I saw uh, on the uh, the other, uh, the Italian spacecraft that was flying next to it, man, it looked like it destroyed that thing, but that, that's just what it looks like in space. It's can't really compare to what you see on Earth because lack of gravity, and, man, that thing was traveling pretty fast. Um, but again, it was to push it off course by a measurable amount. That's the whole test here uh, because scientists want to know how much of the impact affected the asteroid and they still want to be able to track it. So uh, if Dimorphos would have been destroyed, uh, you couldn't measure it. You couldn't test it. Yeah, you could say, well, we blew up an asteroid, uh, but we wouldn't be able to test the hypothesis. So the science would be pretty much out the window. Uh, now, this craft was launched back on November 24th of 2021. It had been planned for many years uh, to hit Dimorphos when uh, Didymos was at its uh, closest approach to Earth at about, like I said, 6.7 million miles away. Um, yeah, we landed on an asteroid, which is pretty cool. Um, but this was different. This was actually impacting a celestial object with the intent of moving it. Uh, we've never done that before. We've never impacted something on purpose to make it move out of its uh, current trajectory in space. So that's pretty cool. Uh, if it worked, we don't even know if it worked yet. 
uh, the live view. So I watched the live view of just over an hour long. Uh, it was kind of boring in parts, but they did show a lot of behind the scenes stuff. Um, the, the man, it was just amazing. Uh, about an hour out, you could see uh, Didymos. I was just thinking small, or not even uh, Dimorphos. Uh, I'm sorry, no, Didymos. They're all the same thing. Uh, Didymos, the actual asteroid. It was just like a, a dot. It was like a pixel. That's what they described. It. And it kept getting bigger, kept getting bigger. And I was looking to see Didymos. I couldn't see it at first. And it, you had to squint. There it is, a little pixel. And then, of course, Dimorphos. I think it took about f- almost 40 minutes to really just, you could tell it was actually something there. Uh, then it got weird. The closer it got, it looked like there was uh, another rock uh, right next to Dimorphos. Um, but uh, scientists think that the Dimorphos is just a, a collection of rocks. And maybe that's what it looked like. It just exploded um, from the uh, the Italian probe that was launched from the DART spacecraft uh, that uh, I thought they said it was going to ride along next to it, but it looked like uh, from the footage I saw, it was, it was flying behind it and showed the impact. Uh, they also released, uh, it was a French island out of the Pacific that uh, had a, man, a really good telescope. You could see um, Didymos, you couldn't see Dimorphos, but you could see Didymos uh, moving through the sky, and you could see the explosion of the impact, so pretty dynamic and uh, pretty much proves that it happened. Uh, I read a couple of people uh, comments that said this didn't look like it was real. I don't think it really happened, but oh no, there's, there's proof of it. Um, but man, that live view uh, was just beautiful. You could see this thing get bigger and bigger. Uh, then uh, you can see it was just aiming toward Dimorphos, and Didymos actually there for a second just disappeared. And you just kept getting closer and closer, and you're just like, holy cow, this is going to happen. This is going to hit. And there was a delay of about 38 seconds from uh, the distance involved, of course, almost 7 million miles. And then, of course, there was a little bit of processing uh, that was going on to the images. And this whole thing was uh, tracked the last couple of minutes. Uh, did it by itself. Uh, we couldn't uh, do anything. It was just uh, flying by itself. Uh, but it was self-correcting uh, pretty much all the way. They just kind of made a, a couple of bumps to get this thing to go where it needed to go. And it looked weird because it looked like it was moving all over the place. But I think that was just the camera itself. I asked the question in chat, but they never answered me. Because I think a lot of the uh, Q&A was pre-done for some reason. But um, I don't know, they even had the Browns quarterback on. It was really weird, some of the questions and answers. Uh, but, yeah, we saw the moon get bigger and bigger, filled up the entire screen, and it kept coming and kept coming. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is crazy. And then all of a sudden, uh, you see these small rocks on the surface. And then it just when you think it's the last one, that all of a sudden another one. And... Um, I'll show you the first one. It just uh, kept getting closer and closer. The, just when you thought it was close enough, all you saw was rock. Yeah, so there, there you see it's about one minute out. You can see uh, uh, Dimorphos on the left and then Didymos coming at you in this image. And then I'll show you uh, pretty much the last thing this camera saw 
of the impact. I'm sure you saw this. That's been all over the news. Pretty cool. Uh, you saw this rock right at the camera. Uh, it just looks like a pile of rocks. And the next thing you saw was uh, you could see the similar image at the top with rocks, but the rest of it was all red as the camera went out and the, the crowd went wild. People were screaming, throwing papers, hugging each other, high-fiving, fist bumping with masks on us, all that stuff. But uh, very exciting to see something actually work. And I tell you what, 14,000 miles an hour by something flown by a computer that was pretty much created just for this, this, um, this project uh, flying for been almost a year through space to get to this very tiny rock. Uh, I think they did a heck of a job, and that's just, it's unimaginable that we could do that. And I'll, I'll tell you what, uh, I feel like I could sleep a little bit better at night knowing that we can at least touch these objects. If we can't move them, at least we can hit them. It feels like a TV show or a movie, but I'll tell you what, uh, again, I can sleep a little bit better at night knowing that we can affect these rocks. And this test hopefully was successful, that we can actually uh, move these asteroids so they don't turn us into the next dinosaurs, I guess, uh, make us extinct. So hopefully it was successful. And um, that's one less thing I got to worry about tomorrow. But uh, I will see you next week. But for now, keep your eyes in the skies. Keep your ears in the woods and the hair standing on the back of your neck. And always keep your mind slightly ajar. Above all else, don't stop believing. For the Paranormal News Insider, this is Dr. Brian D. Parsons reporting.